and welcome to episode 18 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and this week I have two awesome guests joining me. First, we have Colby Mack from the Colby Told Me podcast and also the co-host of the Minorities Report podcast. Colby, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Yo, 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 and what up? How are we? I am, I am great. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining me. We also have Hannah Ringswald from the Cinemania World podcast. Hannah, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I am also great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's awesome to have both of you on. Thank you so much for joining. As always, since this is the Movie Marathoners podcast, I like to ask my guests just a warm-up question. Colby, have you ever ran a marathon? Never in my life. No? Do you have any interest? <laughs> I like watching it. Yeah? Uh, which which is weird. Um, uh, the New York Oh, okay. Cool. I feel like when I was in New York, because I would go to Central Park and kind of watch it and stuff like that, I'll go and attend because I feel like it's a nice kind of union thing. You know, well, yeah, for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, everybody's <laughs> pretty happy at marathons. Uh, I haven't been to one since I moved from New York, but I will never take part in one. Okay. I have a friend running the New York Marathon this year, so. Nice. Have you ever done like a movie marathon, anything like that? Oh. Several times a year. What's what's your like longest movie marathon or your go-to movie marathon? Um, well, traditionally, I'll always have a movie marathon where I do two to three movies uh, a night uh, for Halloween. So pretty much oh, yeah. from the start of October to the you know till the thirty first, I'm taking in two to three Halloween you know horror movies every night, and I've been doing that since two thousand and five. Wow. Okay. So what's <laughs> like what's your best combination? Oh man! So I, what I like to do, I try to th I try to really mix it up. I I don't like to go too dark, or else the night can get really really weird. So I try to do a really dark horror, and then typically a lighter horror or comedic horror. So like let's say um, a really fun combination that I had last year was uh, Halloween Town, and then I mix it up with Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yeah, very different. Or I'll put in Ernest Scared Stupid with Hellraiser. Oh okay, mm. cool, cool. Yeah. How about you, Hannah? Have you ran an actual marathon? Uh, no, but it's on my bucket list. Like, I really want to. When are you going to do that, do you think? I have no idea. I just know that I want to. And, like, I haven't, like, had, like, any chance to. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll, I'll do it someday. <laughs> yeah, well, when you do, let me know. And then you can come back on and you can say yes to this question. <laughs> um, okay. What about a movie marathon? Oh, yeah. I do one, uh, like, one regularly that I do every year is uh, Best Picture nomination marathon oh really the oscars oh wow okay so like you yeah, mean like, like all of know. them that are nominated yeah oh okay okay cool that's a lot nine yeah do you do lot. it like right in a row <laughs> i mean i if it's like 10 nominations then i think i do i do like five in a night and then i do five the next night um but if it's like like last year that i did them all in one day wow that sounds harder yeah. than an actual marathon i'll be honest that's that's pretty brutal <laughs> Oh, yeah. I have my, like, dad and, like, my sister and stuff, like, with me, though, so it's, like, better. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. So this week, we'll be running through It Chapter 2. We'll warm up with brief spoiler-free thoughts on the film, and then we'll run into spoiler territory where we can freely talk about the film. And then, as always, we'll round out the episode with our point two section where we discuss what else we've been watching. So first, let's read a synopsis of It Chapter 2. 27 years after their first encounter with the terrifying Pennywise, the Losers Club have grown up and moved away until a devastating phone call brings them back. It Chapter 2 stars James McAvoy, Bill Hader, Jessica Chastain, and Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, as well as just many, many other talented actors. Like It Chapter 1, Chapter 2 is written by Gary Dauberman and directed by Andy Muschietti. 
27 years. I dreamt of you. I craved you. I missed you. We need to finish it. For good. I've seen all of us die. It consumes us from the inside. Until we don't have a choice anymore. So I just want to make sure, I think we are all on the same page here. Colby, Hannah, have either of you read the book or seen the original TV movie? I haven't read the book or seen the original TV movie. Okay. And Colby, same with you? Same with me. Haven't read the book and I probably saw the original TV movie, but I was probably way too young to remember anything from it. Okay. Yeah, I I have not read the book. It's like 800 pages. I thought about reading it before (laughs) chapter two and then I just... I couldn't even will myself to even look at how much it cost. I was that far away <laughs> it's a from commitment for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more more so than a, uh, a movie marathon. That's for sure. Honestly, I haven't read a book since like middle school. So, um, oof, yeah, that yeah. hurt. <laughs> I don't know. I just because I'm such a movie guy, I'm like, well, I'll just wait for the movie to come out. So, no, that's a lie. Not middle school. Probably tenth grade year of high school. That's the last time I generally remember reading a book, and I think it was Catching the Rye. And that's only because I had to. <laughs> I've I've read a couple for pleasure, but it's definitely dropped significantly since high school. And yeah, this one I, I was not able to do. So what did you guys think about the first film? Hannah, why don't you start? What were what was your feeling about it when it came out in twenty seventeen? Um, when I initially watched it, I really, really loved it, but as time went on, like on rewatch and stuff like that, I started to like notice more things that bothered me. Mm-hmm. So right now I'd say like the original is probably like a six, uh, seven out of 10 for me. Uh, I still really, really like it. I think it's a really rewatchable movie, but I do think that there's things that bother me in the first one more than in the second one. Okay. And how about you, Colby? Yeah. So I actually have not rewatched the original. It was my goal to, uh, before, uh, watching it chapter two. So I think that's why maybe it holds up for me a little bit stronger than what it, it seems it may have changed for you, Hannah. Um, I had the first one rated as an excellent film, a nine out of 10, amazing cast, really great performances, solid score, creepy as hell, and just a lot of fun too. And then an amazing, just, you know, scars guard performance as Pennywise. So yeah, still still high up there. I wonder, man, what's going to happen if I rewatch this thing now? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you, Kobe. I haven't rewatched it since I saw it in theaters. And I'm not like a huge horror guy, but I remember going with my friends and then just absolutely loving the theater experience. Oh, yeah. Something about that film just felt like it, it wasn't, I mean, it was creepy, but it wasn't, you know, nightmare inducing, at least to me. It was just yeah. exhilarating and fun. And I thought that had so much energy. So I do. I didn't intend to watch it beforehand, but just the time got away from me, I guess. So yeah, hopefully it doesn't go down if I see it again. I, I do plan to see it again soon. 
What were your thoughts on clowns before this movie? Like, did, do you remember? <laughs> it was like, what, like five years ago when there were just clowns walking around the United States everywhere? Right? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> what a time. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember I had maybe one nightmare after watching it. Um, but other than that, I don't think clowns have ever super terrified me or anything as a kid. Me either. Okay. Yeah, okay. which is weird because, I mean, clowns have just been around. Every, I think the first movie that I ever saw with the clown that I remember at my youngest was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I've never and seen that, that should have absolutely ruined me, but it didn't. I just I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it? I've, I've, I haven't even heard of it, to be honest. Ta- oh, my God. Take it, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and it's clown spelled with a K. And it is, it is, I have no idea why I came across it. I don't know who was watching me that allowed me to watch this movie. It is bonkers. <laughs> but it's like, it is, I think it was what, late, early 90s? Probably. I was probably like maybe like six or seven years old. And I was just like, what is going on? Um, but I think that's when my boob fetish started. So, and if you watch the movie, I think you'll understand why. <laughs> All right. I'll keep an eye out for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Colby, you're you're you have chapter one high up, just like me, Hannah. You're a little less enthusiastic about it now. What did you, Hannah, think about chapter two? I think that this one improved on the first in almost every way. Um, I'm definitely in the minority on this. I love this movie so much. Watching it the first time, I walked out and I was like, "This feels like it could be one of my favorite movies like of all time." And then I went and seen it again. Um, yesterday and I think it's solidified now kind of love everything about this movie like I definitely think it's flawed but it's not things that bother me enough that I'm like oh I need to like bring this down some or I'm not as high on it but yeah I love this movie awesome okay so Colby man I gotta tell you Hannah that just like is such music to my ears when you don't have to be a professional critic you could just be a hobbyist you feel, you know a movie reviewer but for somebody to honestly just say I'm pretty sure that I'm in the minority where your stance isn't so absolute that just like, I'm pompous and I believe this movie is the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) Hyperbole, hyperbole, hyperbole. No, yo, you said it like you love this film and for you, and I I love the way you said that for you, it improved on a lot of what you were missing from the first one. For me, it was the opposite. And this is not a bad movie at all. I think my expectations were too high because of how much I love the first film that this movie had the odds stacked against it to really exceed my expectations. And I think it's because, and you know, for the book readers out there, there's a lot that I did not know that was in the book that I think was attempted in this film that seemed to lack some kind of narrative direction where I felt like this film was the part three to a trilogy and the entire second half was the sequel that if WB had the chance to do it over again, I think they would. But I mean, the cast is perfect. Like picture, perfect. Bill Hader knocks it out the park. I mean, everybody does a fantastic job. And I love the comedic notes in this film. It's super fun. And even though it's long, it's not like annoying, annoying, annoyingly long. (laughs) (laughs) But I will admit that there are parts in this film that you could take out entirely. But that, I mean, but if I'm judging the film just based on itself, um, I do have it as the lesser of the two. Yeah, I, you, I mean, you basically just 
took the words out of my mouth, Colby. So, I mean, Hannah, I'm sorry. I don't want to invite you on a podcast <laughs> and then so shit on a movie that you love. Um, but yeah, this, this movie didn't really work for me. I liked the first one a lot. I think there was definitely an element of surprise there that just naturally doing it a second time is going to be much harder to do. I'll mirror the positives that Colby said. I thought the casting was incredible. I thought, you know, like there's no actor that comes out of this scathed in any way. It's not like anybody is lesser for being in this film or anything like that. And it's certainly not a bad film. Um, I think it's very well made. And I think there's a lot of care and attention given to the source material. I just think that for whatever reason, it's lacking the energy of the original, maybe because there's just naturally more energy when children are in kind of a, a terrifying and, you know, fantasy-esque situation. But for whatever reason, I didn't find that this film kind of, it didn't deliver the same thrills that the original did for me. What did you guys think about the CGI in this one? I felt that there was a lot more CGI here than in the original. I think that it was better um, weaved into the movie than the first one. Uh, Cause the first one in particular, what sticks out in my mind is the um, leaper that Eddie interacts with. And mm-hmm. I remember watching that and it just feeling so out of place and weird because throughout the whole first uh, movie, the scares aren't like this one at all. I think the scares in this one are much more Sam Raimi ish when I was watching it. Um, yeah. All I could think about was like something like the end of the first Spider-Man and like, there's a lot of, and like Evil Dead in particular. Um, it feels very like self-aware campy. And in the first one, like the protector scene and the house in Ebel Street, it felt very grounded. But the like Leaper and like the stuff with the CGI in the first one, it felt very out of place. But here, um, it definitely felt more, I guess, uh, natural. So it didn't, I, I liked it. I thought the, the CGI, well, I mean, some of the CGI was really good. I think the end fight or you know whatever the end act i thought that cgi was quite good but then there was Mm -hmm. other cgi that was pretty poor and a lot of it reminded me of did either of you see the hellboy that came out this year unfortunately yeah okay so you both saw it wow i wasn't expecting are you talking about the uh the uh (laughs) the weird caterpillar vomit ghost yeah I, I you that if that's what we were talking about, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, well, there was just like a lot of that type of CGI where it was kind of just like it wasn't really scary; it was just gross. I found it a little peculiar that I guess when I watched the first one, I felt that well because it's the first one, they're gonna have to lean a little bit more practically on some of the effects, mm-hmm. um, like with the blood bathroom scene that um, that Bev has to deal with. Like that was very practical. The blood is turned up so much more in this sequel that it, you could tell the difference. But then again, I, I understand, you know, working in film production. Yeah, well, there's really no way <laughs> like, you're just not going to have, you know, tens of thousands of gallons of blood just being able to kind of pull off practically and make it, you know, to, you know, to make it efficient. I guess I'm a little even on the CG. I can see where the parts, and I'm pretty sure I know what we're talking about, where the CG is like, Ugh, because I just didn't expect some of the creature designs to, to implement that much CG. I thought they were going to go more practically. Um, the biggest CG hangup that I have is the de-aging in this film. I was just going to bring that up, yeah. Yeah. It is, it, is, it, it is rough. I think it's particularly rough on Finn Wolfhard. Oh my gosh. Like well, He's had the biggest... I, I feel bad that they didn't... WB did not know what they had in this film. Right. And they should have shot this back to back. 
And I'm pretty sure that for the audiences that weren't aware of the de-aging, they probably didn't you know, catch it at all. But one, not only can you see it, and it's funny because some actors like Finn Wolfhard, who has just like sprouted up, yeah. it's, it, they have to use a lot. And they also have to use a lot on the voice. And that was really jarring to be able to hear because you can tell that, especially with Eddie, you can really tell the difference. Yeah, puberty hit Finn Wolfhard like a brick. It's crazy. Like <laughs> in Stranger Things three, that kid is just Ooh, man. Wow. It is, yeah, my yeah. sister, she didn't notice the de aging and stuff, like in the voices and stuff. Because walking out the first time, I said, "Hey, did you notice that um, they had to use like de aging technology on Finn Wolfhard um, and some of the kids, and their voices were pitched?" And she was like no she's like i don't know what you're talking about and i was like oh okay uh maybe just because i knew self uh like subconscious subconsciously so i was like kind of looking for it yeah. um but yeah i know my sister didn't notice it <laughs> i didn't know about it actually and i definitely did notice it specifically on finn wolfhard i didn't know that any of the other kids were de-aged actually it was just him and maybe that's because i had just seen him in uh stranger, stranger things. things three yeah yeah and then the Jack Dylan Grazier, he looked very much younger than he did in Shazam. But I was just like, oh, okay, you know, maybe he's young today. I don't know. I didn't really think that <laughs> they had done that much. But I also didn't really notice the voice thing either. So maybe it's just one of those things that you notice what the thing that you know is meant to be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's... I almost wish that I didn't know, so that way it wouldn't have yeah. affected me when I was watching. Um, I forget the um, uh, the actor's name that plays. Oh goodness gracious, I'm forgetting the the character's name. Oh goodness, the chubby one. What's his name? Ben. Ben. Yeah. Okay. So you, yeah, you you notice a lot where it really. <laughs> I really like. BBS. I didn't notice on him at all. Really? Okay. Yeah, I so, thought he looked the exact same. It's mainly in his mouth. His upper lip and his, you know, his double chin, it kind of gives the same effect that happened in, um, in in Justice League with, you know, uh, Clark, you know, with Superman. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it definitely looks very gummy. That's what that's what I like to call. It. I'm really not technical, but I just know that it <laughs> didn't look right. And there's several scenes, especially between Finn Wolfhart and uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, where it they their voices sounded so off, like very helium ish. Yeah. One of the other kind of main problems that i had was um i'm not one of those people that thinks that all movies should be two hours or whatever but i think that when a movie is two hours and 50 minutes it does kind of have to justify that and i felt that a lot of especially that middle geez i don't know hour and 45 minutes was very mm -hmm. repetitive um and not particularly interesting i'm curious hannah what kind of did you enjoy the most about that that middle part was it just being back in this world or was it being with bill Hader, or what was it <laughs> um actually that's kind of my favorite part of the movie okay uh, i really enjoy the um are we not talking spoilers yet i let's try and be a little vague and then we can probably jump into spoilers right away this is a pretty spoiler heavy movie so the middle part is just kind of scare central um is what i would call it so it's each scene is well each, each character you get like a scare scene yeah and well i re i really like that with this movie with the first one i felt like it was a little restrained because i don't think that warner bros knew um how successful it was going to be and what they had so it definitely felt a little more restrained and um not it wasn't willing to like go there and with this i felt like andy muschietti really said like hey we're gonna get weird we're gonna be 
uh, faithful to the source material and we're going to go all in. And that's what I, that's really what I love most about this movie is that it's not afraid to bring it there and just like be weird and be like out there. Like there's this whole, there's a, like a literal, a literal song that Pennywise sings to one of the characters. And there's just something about that that makes me like, be like, wow, like that is so like weird and out there and good. Like, Mm. it is so effective too. And with the three hour runtime, oh, 250, whatever. <laughs> I I didn't feel it at all both times. Uh, I know that I was really scared going in uh, because I'm weird with long movies. But like first time I was watching it, I got a notification on my phone and like I turned uh, to go see it. And I it saw I got there at eight, uh, five and I saw that it was already eight. And I was like, oh my God, it's already been two hours. I feel like I've been here for like 30 minutes. Um, and it was like that both times. Uh, so yeah, I really love that middle chunk of the movie. Okay, I will say that that middle chunk does definitely have good moments, uh, oh, and maybe yeah. we can talk about specifics here in a sec. But I felt that those moments were kind of too spread out, and it was sort of like, oh, okay, we have to get there. And the way that they uh, structure it is that each of them is kind of on their own, which I thought was a bizarre choice. I mean, I know it mirrors the first one, and maybe that's in the book. But I personally found the best parts of the movie to be when the Losers Club was together and they were kind of riffing off each other, like in the Chinese restaurant and things like that. So kind of just cutting to each person and then waiting for them to get to the scare was the problem I had with the film. I I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, while I didn't I didn't enjoy the set. No, forgive me. I enjoy the second act. The film could succeed even without it. Because it's just honestly, it's a it's a lot it's a lot of extra, and it's not bad yeah. extra where it takes away from the movie. It's just extra, and I'm pretty sure that it has to you know it's justified by what is inside of the novel. Um, but at the same time, you know, as a producer, I know that when you commit to a film being two hours and fifty minutes, and then have to f- factor in seventeen to twenty three minutes of trailers and previews and ads. That is a chore for a lot of moviegoers, and it's a it's a commitment. Um, and then also for the distributors out there, for a lot of these movie theaters, they're trying to figure out how do we get at least four to five showings of this film, and it's a challenge. And I think that's why it hurt the film a little bit in regards to its box office. Have you got a chance to take a look at what it did this weekend um, estimated so far? No. Do you have that number off the top? I do. So it's at $91 million, which honestly is incredible. Comparatively to the first one, it did 132. Right. And that was like the highest R-rated movie, right? Yeah, it, it, it was insane. Um, and I think, I mean, if you're the studio, you would hope to see that number exceeded, especially when you double the amount of the budget. I mean, the budget of the first one was $35 million. And you think about what $35 million wow. got you. Like, that's insane. When you, wait, wait, $35 million? And then this was rumored to be somewhere between about 60 to $70 million. And I will be honest with you, you see it. The production values are crazy high in this film. Mm-hmm. And even though some of the CGs, even when it's good, it's really, really great. Like that, the, the, the climax in the third act it, with Pennywise, it looks incredible. And I saw it in Dolby, hashtag Kobe does Dolby. Dolby's <laughs> a cheat code and it amplifies everything. The sound, the picture for a reason. That's why it's worth the dollar, in my opinion. Um, but when a lot of people knew... That that film is going to be essentially a three plus hour commitment out of your day. It'll send some people like, ah, you know what? I may wait. Yeah. Speaking of just kind of like filling time and things like that, I felt like the in that middle part, a lot of what Pennywise had to do was just he, he didn't really have too much influence on the overall plot of 
the film. He was kind of just hanging out and killing kids, which was, was scary and fun to watch. But like, it didn't really feel like the Pennywise show to me in the same way that the first one did. How do you feel about that, Hannah? I think there was a lot more Pennywise in this one than the first one. I think he definitely really? uh, stands out um, more in this one. I think that Bill Skarsgård kind of cranked it up to 10 uh, here because in the first one, uh, like like I said before, I don't think that Warner Bros. or Bill Skarsgård or Andy Muschietti like, all knew exactly like what they had. Um, and I think Bill Skarsgård was still like, you know, getting into the role. And I think here he really was like, you know what, I'm going to go all in and it's going to be nuts. And I think that in all, I think that he's kind of like the uh, scene, scene stealer here. Um, Definitely. And I would hope so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that he's really great in this movie. I think that he um, exceeded his performance in the first one. I mean, I'll take your word for it just because you've seen it the most recently, you know, from all of us. But for some reason, I I thought that there was more Pennywise in the last one. It could be more effective of not having less, uh, I mean, of having less of him in the first one. And maybe that's why Mm. he's um, more prevalent in your mind, because, you know, like you get you get to see so little. It's like exciting when you do get to see him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's move to spoilers. Before we do that, Colby, can you just summarize your thoughts and then give this a score out of 10? Yeah. So once again, where I stand at with the film, um, it's a very creepy follow-up and it feels, once again, like a third part in a trilogy um, as opposed to a true sequel, but it's upgraded in a lot of ways um, cinematically, uh, which I did appreciate. I mean, obviously the score is still there. The creep factor is still there. Uh, the effects that do work are great. The ones that don't do detract, especially with the de-aging. And I wish that there was a little bit more cohesion with like its uh, narrative structure cinematically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thankfully the cast is rock solid. Probably if there was, which there needs to be an, a, an award uh, for best cast or just best casting at the Oscars. Yeah. This hands down deserves a nomination, if not an outright win. And I think that's what helps elevate the film from some of the low points that I've found with it, even if it is a bit too long. And that's definitely a choice. I got this film at a, this is a seven out of 10, a good movie. Great. How about you, Hannah? Uh, yeah, I love this movie. I don't necessarily love everything about it. And I know there's flaws on um, there's things that bother me. But there's just so much in the movie that I absolutely like, adore and I'm going to remember forever. And there's scenes that I'm going to be thinking about like for the rest of the year and after that. Uh, so, yeah, I have it at a 9 out of 10, but a 5 out of 5 uh, for like, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Would, I'm just curious. Sometimes I do halves. Would you give it like a 9.5 if I said you could do halves? Um, Yeah, I'd probably a 9 out of 10 is better. Okay, <laughs> cool. So I guess I'm I'm probably the lowest. Um, I think I may still be kind of being affected by um, like hype syndrome where I was just really excited for this, really looking forward to this one, especially after a pretty mediocre summer. I thought that this one looked great and I was really excited to feel the same way that I felt about the first one. And, you know, it's it's just not the first one, maybe by nature, just because it's adults and it's a little more, like Hannah said, out there. I just didn't find it as entertaining or as interesting as the first one. And I thought that for two hours and 50 minutes, it did feel like there was a lot of things that they kind of just dropped randomly. Like there are some pretty incomplete arcs or arcs that very quickly get rushed to a conclusion. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. So I'm going to give this one a five out of 10. I think if you want to see it, it's 
like I said, it's it's a well-made movie and the actors are fantastic. They crush the material that they're given. I just don't think mm-hmm. the material is particularly great material. Um, but, you know, there are some genuinely hilarious moments, most of them from Bill Hader. There are some genuinely terrifying moments, most of them from kids getting eaten. So <laughs> if that's what you're looking for, this definitely has it. Um, so I can't, you know, like unrecommend this or anything like that. So... With that, let's move on to spoilers. I'll say spoilers for It Chapter 2, starting now. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Okay, so there are two, I guess, big deaths in this film. One being Stanley at the very beginning, which I did not see coming and even when yeah they show him you know dead i thought maybe that was you know some sort of pennywise vision or something like that same what yeah. did you think about that i yeah so i i i love taking into account what the trailer granted it's part of the marketing not necessarily considered you know um artfully in regards to the way that the film is product you know produced but mm-hmm. i still take into how it's going to set up my expectations and for the life of me, I do not remember him not being a part of the marketing very much until like now that I watch the movie and I'm watching the trailers like, yo, yeah, this dude was gone. <laughs> so and, and and not not have remembered anything from the original film and then also not reading the book. It came like a shock to me. But I love how if you kind of take apart each character's story, it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that even though that he was not a part of the film, his character very much was central to the Losers Club still being together, even though he chose to eliminate himself from the equation in what could be considered like a very chicken shit way, but it made so much sense at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Hannah? Um, unfortunately, I got it spoiled for me before I saw the movie. I haven't read the book, but my friend uh, didn't think about it and was like, oh, yes, uh, we were watching the trailer and they're like, hey, that's Stanley's hand. <laughs> And I was like, what? <laughs> Dang. Um, so unfortunately, it was spoiled for me. But I still think the death scene is very effective. Um, and then he, when the film ends, I think uh, when he's like, uh, everyone's reading his letter, I think that it really does give a, the, put a nice bow on the film. Yep. Because it does. Because the film opens with a um, heartbreaking, terrible scene. Uh, not terrible as in bad, but like, it's very rough <laughs> it shakes you the opening scene definitely shakes you we're in spoilers we can say it's uh, a very very terrible hate crime to a gay couple right yeah yeah and then after that stanley uh, um stanley's death is kind of like the second opening uh <laughs> uh so that's that the opening scene and then that sits with you uh like over the whole film uh, and i think it set like a nice tone for the movie yeah it was a good reminder that the characters aren't safe for some reason i didn't really think about any of the characters dying in this maybe because none of the characters died in the original um so i for some reason i i mean i didn't think that they were in actual peril and that kind of helped and then obviously when eddie dies that's the second death i thought that that was pretty surprising yeah i i thought the i thought the plot armor was pretty thick for most of the film and i think that's why and and maybe you'll agree with me here is that I think that's why it's a little bit tougher to accept a lot of what's going on because when you're a child and we're watching children being scared, there's 
a naivete that they just don't understand how things work. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a practicality to how they're supposed to like work in this world where Pennywise would likely have the advantage. However, these are grown adults that have had 27 years of experience while for most of them, they've forgotten this experience, which I think is a really cool layer. There's just a lot of things that end up happening throughout the film where you're just like, I think that you would do something a little bit differently. And I think that was the tough pill to swallow. And we get, I don't want to say that they're not vignettes, but it's like a throwback and a flashback, which is pretty much just the, it's what we didn't see in the first film. And the whole point of this film was how everybody's together, but we spend a bulk of the movie with them apart. And that was a little frustrating. Yeah, I agree with both of those points. I I think I mentioned that as well, that I, I didn't care for the fact that they were separated for most of it. I felt that the most energy in the film was when they were bouncing off of each other, like especially the Eddie and Richie dynamic. I thought that that oh was my really God. fun. I just, I, I just want like a, a, a buddy movie of just them. Like, I, I wonder if, if within the 27 years that they've been apart, if there's like a spinoff movie that we can get of them. <laughs> Where we just follow, <laughs> we just follow Bill Hader's character, you know, as he's becoming a stand-up comic, and like I, I I've it's been a while since I've seen a film excel so much, and I'm a, I'm a working actor, so that's definitely what's going to hit me the most. But a film that was so strong performance-wise, and then lacking something that didn't take the full advantage of the entire cast that they had. And, ah, man, it's, I I want more of that. Uh, Let's, Mm -hmm. let's bring, let's bring back Eddie. Let's, let's bring him back to life. Can we do that? Please. (laughs) I mean, I don't think we have much control over that. I guess we can start one of those online petitions or something. And, uh, you know, those always work (laughs) out. I don't want to be that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm never doing that. Um, The other two kind of like big actors in this are James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain. And they are both incredible actors. I think they're very good in this. Um, But this was the second movie in a row I saw the the last X-Men, the X-Men Dark Phoenix that they're both in. Oh my God, that's... I forgot! Holy crap! Wow, they are really working hard this year. James McAvoy too, he just had glass. Oh man! Oh, that's right, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I love how it's all coming together right now like wow they just were in a movie together <laughs> well I mean like that movie is incredibly forgettable and yes. does not utilize either of them to their full potential and I felt that way about this movie too I just thought that well actually you know James McAvoy has some pretty great lines but I do think that they definitely underutilized Jessica Chastain and it felt like they sort of just cast her because she had red hair I don't I don't know um, I know is- that she worked with the director previously on a movie called Mama. Uh, okay. Well, that makes sense then. The, uh, I also, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, and, and, I, and I think it's because of the text as I think that was the one thing that was kind of stopped. I mean, one, you have several central characters, six of them that actually make it throughout the bulk of the film. So you're kind of asking to kind of chop up the time. Um, I'm pretty sure McAvoy gets top billing. And then obviously, you know, he's playing Bill, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> um, uh, which, which, you know, kind of makes his, his characterization the most paramount. So yeah, it's tough. I, I, I wouldn't say that Bev got the short end of the stick. Um, it's just that her character's journey is unique. And I almost would have loved a little bit more time spent on that. Like, mm-hmm. As a writer as well, I'm trying to find like where does the growth kind of come along. The biggest growth that she made was in her decision to leave. 
like at right. the very beginning. And we just kind of, we leave that behind. Um, I'm pretty sure that the novel is a lot more graphic in, you know, in, inside of that, um, that domestic uh, abuse scene uh, that she, and I'm surprised it really went there. Um, unfortunately, the actor that was playing opposite for really wasn't that great. He just kind of fucking snapped. It was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He, he seemed really, really cool at first. And then just like, I, I don't know where just like flipped out. So I guess that Bev is still kind of, I don't want to say hoary, but I, I don't know. <laughs> What's the appropriate word to say, Hannah? Like, what, what are you trying to say, though? Like, apparently, she has she has behaved in a way that her husband would have this inclination that she's not faithful? Um, I think it was more just what I got, at least, from it, was that the husband is very um, controlling and, like, has assumptions that aren't actually, you know, there. So I don't think that it was because Bev was because in the first one she was never you know yeah it was always like talked about but never like I, I, I yeah true and then in this one I think it was just more the husband being like oh well you did this you went out and you probably had sex with the dude and she's like I definitely didn't uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad but I'm I'm glad I'm glad she got away. <laughs> So I remember in the original, there was a lot of those kind of like dime flips where there would be a character that was a little like, oh, you know, they're kind of off, but they seem fine. And then boom, all of a sudden they're crazy. And I always assumed that that was, you know, the dairy of it all and kind of the evilness of Pennywise kind of seeping through the town and all the all the adults where it's very Stephen Kingy for the adults to be creepy and evil and stuff like that. But then this was the first character that was kind of outside of Derry that also acted in the same way. I wonder if, you know, it's just because Bev is kind of a part of it and Pennywise's thing because she was looking into the, whatever they call them, the deadlights and everything like that. I thought some of the lore of this movie was pretty tough to follow. Yeah, it, it lost me at times. And I was trying to give my full attention, but the the mic... I don't want to say it. it's not an exposition dump, but pretty much the yeah. the whole vision quest, you know, scene. I, I got to be honest, it played a lot like how a video game movie does. Mm-hmm. Mike gives out the vision quest. He's kind of like your, you know, your your story master when everybody arrives and it, something about lights and a creature from before having to deal with like Native Americans. Yeah, obviously now I'm I'm seeing. So I'm not big into Stephen King, but I'm seeing like the recurrence of like Native American, you know, myths inside of these films and the whole three lights thing. I I still don't get it, and I think that's where I love horror movies, but I love sound horror movie and just movie logic. And if I don't buy it, it's going to be easy to check out on a lot of other stuff that kind of gets us to where we need to be. So. I like the mystery and ambiguity behind the creature of it, as opposed to what we find out what it actually is. I'm, I'm just, I, I couldn't buy it because it still doesn't, it still doesn't add up. Yeah, it was tough to care about all that stuff when it just started making it seem like he was an alien, and then, yeah, I a lot of that was I, I just sort of rolled, I didn't, I didn't roll my eyes. I mean, I was like trying to follow it, but it was really tough to make heads or tails of anything and that's one of the examples where i think that yeah this movie's two hours and 50 minutes but is maybe maybe you're saying like it would be a good end of a trilogy and there would be more information in a trilogy Mm -hmm. but like this movie could have easily been four hours um and we would have a lot more time to understand all that crap but then also have some more satisfying arcs for characters especially like mike i thought mike was brutally sidelined in this movie even though he's kind of like the crux, he's kind of like the crux to it all. Yeah. 
But yeah. there's that whole scene where, you know, or not whole scene, but whole part of the movie where each character has to get their token. And mm-hmm. I think we're given kind of an uh, a scene for each of them. And Mike doesn't really get anything. And there's this yeah. kind of thing that I... he's dealing with, but it's, it's not really explicitly stated. I don't know. Hannah, were you going to say something? Yeah, I think the token thing, um, why he doesn't get one is because the token thing was really um, for them to kind of remember mm, everything okay. that um, happened when they're out of Derry. And Mike was the only one who stayed in Derry. So I don't think he necessarily needed that remembrance uh, of things. And I do think I agree with you that Mike was sidelined. Uh, but I also think that he's probably the most uh, least interesting character yeah. of them all. So it didn't bother me that we didn't get a whole lot of Mike. Because he was like the like the extra loser, like in the first one. He kind of comes in a little bit later. Yeah. And he's a bit older too, right? He is, you know. Um, so I, I I I Mike didn't detract for me, honestly. And it's so hard for me not to think of the act like, oh, <laughs> that's the that's the uh that's the deter- that's the deodorant. Yeah, that's the old spice guy. You know, and I know <laughs> he's been doing like a lot of other stuff, but I wonder I wonder if the film, and this is this is my screenwriter mind working, if it would have worked better for Mike, instead of calling everyone, to like go out and find everyone. And because he's been the one person that's been in Derry, he kind of can, you know, um, it is able to kind of latch onto him, which allows him to work outside of Derry. I think that would have been an interesting element to add to this as when he actually goes to try to find Bev and try to find Bill, that that's where it is able to extend the horror out of Derry then some really bad stuff happens. Like instead of repeating the missing parts that we didn't see in chapter one of that summer, we actually get brand new creepy stuff that happens in their own world. That's what is the point to bring them back. We then get that, um, that Chinese scene, which is fucking awesome. That, 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 that Chinese buffet scene is amazing. And then we can ratchet up into one little small other hurdle, an obstacle, you know, um, the, the, you know, the, uh, uh, the dark night of the soul we get then. And then we go into the third act. I think that would, if we reverse engineered the movie a little bit, that may, that would have had a stronger impact. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Hannah, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think it would have been cool to see that. Uh, but also, I'm uh, the only one who... <laughs> the only Fair. one here. She's like, hey, I liked it just the way it was. <laughs> I really liked the way that it, uh, that it uh, played out. I liked seeing them each get the call. And then I also think that if he went and seeked out each loser, then we would have never gotten the Stanley scene and him, like, you know, killing himself because uh, he would have never got the chance to. Mm-hmm. So... That's fair. Yeah. So actually, quick question about that. Why did Stanley remember Pennywise when everybody else did not? Do you have any, I mean, maybe that's an unanswerable question because none of us have read the book, but I'm curious if you have any idea. I'm pretty sure that um, Bill Hader's character, I don't know why I'm forgetting these boys' names. (laughs) Richie. (laughs) Richie. I think he actually says it. He was the weakest one. So that 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 attachment or detachment to Derry was always going to be strong with him because he had the most amount of fear. Like even when they all came together at the end, because his fear was so great, there was still that hold. So the moment that he got the call, he just, oh, is it back? Which means that like it was still like always there. And that's why he knew that he was just going to be, you know, the weak link. And ultimately, if their togetherness is what was going to beat um, Pennywise, uh, then unfortunately he had to eliminate himself from the equation, which is, which is sad. I mean, he was just crippled by fear and, you know, obviously, um, I, I love that. 
as the child was, he was able to kind of still kind of find some courage and stuff like that. Um, it didn't manifest in his, when he became an adult. Also, um, you know, every, the memories weren't completely gone from everyone, obviously, because you do see uh, Richie like throw up and everyone at the dinner table was like, yeah. oh, I like I had this like, you know, sinking feeling when you called. So it's like I feel like mm-hmm. if he was the weakest, then he probably, you know, uh, remembered easier. OK, one other question then. What did you think about? I don't even know if it counts as a plot twist, but it was sort of the reveal that the ceremony just didn't work. Or the ritual like or whatever. <laughs> like, what was that? <laughs> I thought that was kind of dumb and I pretty expected. It obviously wasn't just going to kill Pennyways just like that. Uh, I, I think that everyone's saying that that third act is very faithful to the source material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that's not an excuse for something to like not work for you. But yeah, I think that that's probably uh, was in the book. Okay. I, I will admit that like I do admire them. I think you you mentioned that, Hannah, like them going for it, <laughs> at least like with all the craziness and they could have easily have come up with a way to completely cut out the fact that he's like this alien thing that crashed and everything like that. So I do admire them for kind of going for it. Um, I just don't think that it worked out at the end for me. Yeah, it's it's tough. It, it, it's like I said, the logic at that point, I wasn't sold. So. Yeah. Like, I, I knew that there had to have been something alien-like. I was just really hoping that it would have been easier to buy into. Because it, it seemed a little bit too, like, it seemed too easy that I was like, okay, we know that this ritual is not going to work. Because they kind of go on their, you know, their vision quest to all get these tokens. Um, and they put them all inside of, you know, the, whatever, cone or whatever. Um <laughs> I don't even know what kind of shape that is. And obviously it doesn't work. And like, you know, Pennywise just kind of lasts. Honestly, I don't get the whole Pennywise thing. Like we know that this creature takes the forms of whatever it wants to. I don't get why it's latched on to this, this actual, I guess, person that did exist. Which is a great scene, by the way. I do want to point that out. It is. Yeah. It, it, it like, I mean, what, what, what Bill Scarzos does and like when he is turned around, he's got this misshapen, deformed head, and he's got an almost non-makeup face, and then he rips it down his eyes and across his – it looks – like that right there, that's the part where I'm just like, I wanted Pennywise to be just a to, – to essentially be like what Mike Myers is, a completely unexplainable shape that has this ability to not die – and there's really not much you can do about it, but quell him for a period of time. I think so. You guys are saying that you guys think that 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 carnival, the that he was an actual like person who was like in a carnival. No, but like that he's sort of fixated on that shape, right? Like, so he must have oh, come across okay, that person okay. at some point, right? Mm-hmm. It, I know that in the book, it's never really explained why uh, a clown is uh, his kind of go-to either. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that, and also that scene, I just think that, that was him playing mind tricks and like, you know, forming into whatever. Yeah. So, well, the idea, right, is that he likes to, well, I, my understanding was in the first one, he chose a clown because theoretically kids like clowns. So it like drags them to him, right? Or attracts him to him, kind of makes him a more mm-hmm. desirable shape. Is that wrong? Am I making that up? Um, I, I think, Yeah. I, that, I think that logic also sounds kind of like touched yeah. on in the book, mm-hmm. but I don't think that there's ever like a like a set in set reason where it's like, oh, this is why he's a clown. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, and and I mean, I guess if we're following that train of logic, 
it, it it's also clear that Pennywise is not. I mean, I think if there was like a species of Pennywises or whatever, or whatever species he is, he'd be like, you know, a D student. He's clearly kind of struggling <laughs> with this thing. Like, I think, you know, that whole scene where he's like drooling in front of the girl with the firefly, which is creepy, but oh, it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, you do kind of sometimes feel bad for the guy somehow. Like, I think Bill Skarsgård does a really good job of making him terrifying, but also kind of pathetic. So yeah, maybe he's like trying his best to be like desirable as a clown, but he's just so gross and creepy and stuff that he's, you know, kind of only halfway there. Oh man, another movie about a failed clown slash person who's not accepted <laughs> by society <laughs> that is going to reek it out of town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one's less controversial somehow. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish there was a more human supernatural element as opposed to a alien supernatural element um it would have it would have grounded the story for me more and i would have accepted more of what is all happening because mm-hmm. I, I will say the weakest takedown of a villain is to call him bad names like yep i mean it's i one i thought we kind of were already there in the first film like they all grouped up and kind of i mean one it's it's it feeds on your fear so, I granted, they didn't remember everything, but just, like, going there, like, just, yo, we're not afraid of you. Like, and, and they recognize several points throughout the film that the things that are happening are not real. And I get it. Like, it is hard because you're in your mind, you're, uh, you know, you're, you are thinking that all this is real. But you, you have to remember that. And as 40-year-old, you know, adults and stuff like that, <laughs> I, I, I wanted there to be a little bit more of, like, yo, I'm not dealing with this shit. You're not real. And ultimately, they win by bullying him i wonder what that says that really worked for me emotionally actually them uh yelling at him and like you know just calling him be like you're just a clown uh i think it worked much better in this movie than it did in the first one because it is kind of what happened in the first one but Mm -hmm. also in the first one the kids never really put those pieces together they're just kind of like hey we're just gonna like gonna beat the fuck out of the clown (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and this one they're actually like kind of talking and being like oh, we have to, like, you know, um, belittle him and, like, you know, and that whole part where they're, like, you know, yelling at him and then they all, like, crushed his heart together uh, together, and, like, actually, like, fully, like, came together to uh, do like, take him down uh, actually worked for me a lot emotionally. Okay. So is there anything else you guys want to talk about, the ending of this film or anything you want to mention? No, I thought it was very tender. That that letter that letter being read at the end, I thought was a really strong uh, point of the film, um, and kind of encapsulated what the Losers Club was and how strong of a connection that they all had. Um, so I thought it was really great. Yeah, the, the 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 beginning and the ending of this film is really damn good. So I mean, there's a lot of really like great. Pretty much, just pencil in if you want to know what like the best scenes are in this film. Every Bill Hader scene. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> However. I was a little annoyed at how easily they kind of dropped his big secret. I like that. I think that that was handled very sophisticated, uh, whatever. I think it's very sophisticated how they handled that because I think it's kind of like the go-to thing where it's like, if you find out that a character is gay and you know, that's kind of like their big secret in a movie, it's like supposed to happen at the end that he tells everyone, but it's like these uh, people just came back together and it's not like they're like best friends or anything, you know, all over again. I, I, I like that they had him keep that secret and that he's and he you know he just came to terms with it in the movie also. That's true. Yeah. I don't think that the character would be completely ready to be like, hey guys, you know I I'm gay. 
So I think that it, I like that they just sh- uh, showed him at the end of the movie uh, completing like the E in the bridge. That's Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think of it like that. I thought, yeah, like you said, Bill Hader was definitely the best part of the movie. And the, the scene at the very end where he kind of just breaks down. Oh, man, that got me. Yeah, it was a great like show of why Bill Hader is such a good actor. Just mm-hmm. like he's able to be funny and silly and stupid, but when he needs to, he turns it on. I thought that was incredible. Um, I do have one final little comment that I want to say is I always think it's funny when a film has a character that sucks at like something. For example, in this one, it's the character sucks at writing bad endings or at writing <laughs> endings. <laughs> and I didn't personally think this was the greatest ending to the it. Uh, chapter or you know saga <laughs> or whatever i think that's why it's kind of self-aware of itself <laughs> it's very uh what's it called like everyone said it's very faithful Meta? to the novel and everyone said that the end of um the novel is like weak and like so i think that they oh, really going okay. in they're like hey we don't really have the best of the endings uh so we're gonna be make fun of ourselves okay that's fair. is that a, is that a trope of stephen king like are his are his in his novels are the endings like the weakest part of his writing um I don't think so, but I know that a lot of people don't like the ending of the novel. Okay, that's a, that's a good point. I did not know that. That's a little tongue in cheek, then. Okay. Even even if being self aware, it's not like excusing it, but like, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of in X Men Apocalypse when they shit on like the third Star Wars and saying that like the third one in the trilogy is always the worst, and. <laughs> x-men apocalypse was the worst <laughs> of the like the first class trilogy um you guys did notice the stephen king cameo yeah. too oh the cameo was sweet it was pretty great so. yeah that's i think that was done really well um I, i'm trying to think of like the other stephen king you know remakes if he's is, is that is that like a thing he does does he make it his way on screen or he wasn't in misery yeah. was he I don't think so. And I don't think he was in like Pet no. Cemetery, which was the most recent one, right? Yeah. So I, I thought it was actually pretty cool. And I was like, oh, not bad. He just came in. He did his thing real quick. I don't, it didn't stick out like a sore thumb or anything. So I thought that was that was nice. Yeah. Did you guys see uh, Andy Muschietti? No. For like a split second. It, I, I noticed it right with the first time I watched it. Um, when Eddie, uh, I don't know. Oh, is it, is, that, is it at the restaurant theme? No, 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 no. Okay. I think okay. I think it's adult Eddie. When adult Eddie walks into the um, pharmacy and he goes to get his inhaler, Andy Muschietti is like just like in the side of the frame, uh, just like looking at stuff. Like literally, he doesn't. It, it brings no attention to himself. It's just him looking at like stuff in the store. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Colby, when you're making stuff, do you ever try and slip yourself into stuff? It's so hard. I know I shouldn't, but I am just, yeah, nah, I always do. I mean, it's, <laughs> I write what I know and I write myself into every project that I work on. Um, I am not a lead. I'm a great second supporting. <laughs> so yeah, if I'm producing something, if I'm directing something, you, I'm going to find my way in front of the camera <laughs> unabashedly. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching. So Hannah, what have you been watching? Anything you want to share? As of recent, uh, I'm rewatching Barry, uh, which is Bill Hader's uh, HBO show. This is a story of the first time I ever felt a sense of purpose. This is a story of the first time I took a life. No, 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 no. What I do is not who I am. There is inherent darkness in you. Am I evil? Like an evil person? 
Yes, you are like the most evil, badass person I know. Do I not tell you that enough? Great synergy there. I really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) I this is my third time rewatching it. Uh, And on my second rewatch, I was like, this is like my favorite show of all time. It replaced Breaking Bad. And rewatching it a third time, it's really like solidifying like the special place it has in my heart. Uh, And yeah, it's great if you haven't seen it already. Uh, And if you've seen it too and you're like Bill Hader, then definitely watch Barry on HBO. It's ace. It is. Really, I, I, I just start. I just started it myself. Um, everybody was talking about. It. I'm like, all right, let me give this thing a try. And then I binged through. I love half hour comedies. It's yep. great. So I, I, I want to see a whole bunch more of those. Um, and yeah, the first season of Barry is really, really good. I think my favorite episode is one where he's trying to trying to kill somebody and then gets attacked by his by the dude's daughter. And it's just Nuts. That's in season two. Yeah, that's in season two. Oh, I got I got a lot further than what I thought I did. Okay, cool. That's Ronnie <laughs> Lily. Uh, yeah, the seasons are really short. Eight episodes a season. Yeah, it's the crux of like uh, an HBO series. It's like same with Silicon Valley. I just like I hate how short those seasons are because you wait like for a full year. And well, no, it's it's <laughs> it's true. It it's a, like bittersweet. I mean, <laughs> but <laughs> I've talked about Barry on this show before. I think uh, in the middle of season two, and I I agree. I, I think it's fantastic. I also am really surprised that season two is even better than season one. Yeah. in my opinion, I think they like kind of introduced a lot of concepts in season one, and we're kind of mm-hmm. testing the waters. And then in season two, I think uh, go for it. they were just like, balls to the walls, let's just, we know exactly <laughs> what we're doing. And Bill Hader is just leaning into it so hard, and I think it's fantastic. So yeah. that's one definitely to watch. Um, I think it's nominated for several Emmys, right? Uh, 17 this 17. year. 17. Oh, wow. Jesus. More than several. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple. Uh. <laughs> okay, so I'm, Hannah, I'm assuming based on your Twitter handle for a while was like Bill Hader's Oscar <laughs> campaign manager or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're rooting for this one in the Emmys? Oh, yeah. 100%. Bill Hader's on for that second Emmy. I don't want to make this like an Emmy thing, but do you think it's like they're not, not going to give it to Veep for like a kind of culmination season or anything like that they probably will give it to veep mostly i'm just really pumped about uh what barry got nominated for in the acting categories because last year it was just uh bill Hader and henry henry winkler and they both won Mm -hmm. uh this year sarah goldberg and anthony kerrigan and i think Stephen root is nominated this year which is awesome uh so i'm really hoping everyone gets their due awesome Okay. So Colby, what have you been watching? So I've been moving while simultaneously um, readying my current house as an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I have not been to the movies except to watch It Chapter 2 and really haven't watched too much TV because moving's a bitch. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, But unfortunately, I worked from home the other day and I got sucked into a black hole with my wife. We work virtually and... You, you know this author named V.C. Andrews? No. I know. Well, apparently there's these really weird books, romance novels, whatever, that were adapted, and there's six movies on Lifetime. So I, I went through <gasps> oh a dark... Oh my God, I've heard yeah. about this. Yo, let me tell you. So I haven't watched a Lifetime <laughs> movie in a very, very long time, right? And this is the weird one as a book. I know it's going to go that much farther. It is the weirdest collection of movies. Like it... Uh, 
pretty much it's like we start, <laughs> it deals with like these back this backwoods family that's not accepted in like this really weird nondescript town and like the daughter doesn't know who her real dad is and then finds out her old family she moves in with the old family her step grandfather rapes her gets her pregnant she dies the and next then- movie is dealing with the 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 offspring who has this really horrible life finds something good and then the grandfather rapes her so the grand father raped the grand it is the most bonkers movie and i can't believe i watched it but is it spoilers? it's like really it I, <laughs> I mean it's it's out there though i mean it's a novel I, I, it is it is the weirdest and these are the worst bad movies these are like sharknado bad um yeah. but it's kind of hard to take your eyes off and i watched five out of the six five out I of love the six that. Where? Yes. Oh, that's my most recent movie marathon. <laughs> was watching VC <laughs> Andrews, Heaven, Dark Angel, and a bunch of other stuff that I have to. I can't remember the name of them. They're okay. awful, but they're awfully great. I'll I'll Google the names <laughs> and include them in the show notes. Um, where did you watch these on some sort of Lifetime app or? Yeah, on on demand. Yeah, it's okay. um. Yeah, oh, um, and I will say also, I watched one other thing. Um, uh, you know, uh, Epic Film Guys podcast. Yeah. Okay, so Nick from the Epic Film Buys podcast and Dan from Netflix and Swill, they were talking about Bad Bubby. Have you ever heard of it? No. No. Well, there's also incest in that. Um, it is great. A ho- you got a theme going, Colby. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it, it was. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called Bad Bubby, and it is weird. But apparently, it's got like a lot of accolades. Like it's like like high praise, like film festivals and stuff. Um, I don't get what's going on in the world. And I also don't get why there's this running theme of what I'm watching. If you're into that, then watch Dog Tooth. (laughs) All right. Putting it on the list. (laughs) From now on on this podcast, you'll be the incest guy. So. uh. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) A great Yorgos Lanthimos movie, Dog Tooth. You're all. Oh, my God. I love Yorgos. I've been meaning to check that out. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So. Just to just to be clear, you recommend them, but recommend them with like a as bad watches. Yes, cool, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually, Colby, have also been moving, so I have not had much time to watch anything. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a nightmare. I I don't know how you moved or anything like that, but we just moved down the street, and we still needed a U-Haul, and we couldn't move into the new place until a day after we had moved out of the old place. So. It was just this whole nightmare. But I did get to check out Jaws, and apparently I had never seen this movie. I thought I did, but this was the first time I had actually ever seen it. It was playing in like a like the historic Coolidge Theater down here in Boston, and I was really excited to see it like in a theater because it was sort of like part of a classics on the big screen series. Have either of you guys done anything like that, seen older movies in theaters? No. Um, not in a very long time. I need to get back to it. Yeah, that's I, I've never done it either. So I really actually I saw Schindler's List in AMC the you know this mm. past year. I thought that was incredible. Yeah, I, they're they're trying to do a revival. I, I missed the Matrix, um, you know, re-release. Mm, I yeah. missed um, they had oh what was it? They had Apocalypse Now. I missed that too. Um, I think they're trying to make it like a monthly series, which is which is nice. I, I think they realized that what um, oh my god, I forget is it not Landmark? Whatever small theater chain that is really kind of embracing the movie community. AMC is really trying to kind of have that similar thing yeah for sure 
Um, but so, yeah, th- I mean, this is like a very small theater. Um, it's like one of the oldest in Boston and maybe the United States. I don't know. But I went there and it was sold out, which sucked. <laughs> so I made the mistake of not getting my tickets online or anything like that. So I just went back home and on Prime Day this last year, I got like a Steven Spielberg box set of movies. It was for like 15 bucks and it had a whole bunch of Blu-rays in it. Um, and Jaws was one of them. So I saw it. Hot take. This is a great movie. <laughs> I, I thought that Jaws is like really like well received. Yeah, no, I'm I'm being sarcastic. It's <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I I'm like, so confused. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I, I just I don't really have anything super unique to say about this movie because I think, you know, everybody knows it's a great movie. The main thing that I was really surprised about was how well it holds up. Like it was really scary when it wanted to be scary, and I thought that the film was really nice and well broken up into three acts that were really easy and digestible which makes sense since this was kind of the you know the first modern blockbuster and then i thought the special effects in 1975 they were incredible and i mean i don't i'm gonna give one last dig on it chapter two i guess i thought that the (laughs) the, uh the special effects in that or practical effects or whatever were much better than the movie that i saw this week that came out in 2019 so it's kind of a shock I'll say that at the very end, when the shark kind of fully comes out of the water, you can kind of tell it's like a robotic plastic shark. But other than that, I thought the movie was really convincing, and I really liked it. Um, Hannah, have you seen it? Jaws? Yeah, uh, that's actually my favorite uh, Steven Spielberg movie. I love Jaws. I don't think that's an un, like uncommon like favorite Steven Spielberg movie, I think. Yeah. What about you, Colby? Yeah, um, it's it's... I want to see it. I haven't seen it on the big screen. I really want to. Yeah. Because um, I think the only time that I've got a chance to watch it, I've watched it like in parts probably hundreds of times, but never like sitting down and having like to be engulfed by the cinematic experience with it. And, and, I, and I feel like movies like that, that's what it deserves. Um, so I'm going to try to fish for it. Unintended. Oh, nice. That is great. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll end on a fantastic pun. This has been our review of It Chapter 2. Colby, Hannah, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Um, Colby, is there anything you want to plug while you're here? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why not plug the Colby Told Me podcast? It's my <laughs> whenever I want to deep dive with the Mac himself, where pretty much I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure. I try to keep it to a sweet 15 to 30 minutes, and sometimes you get a little bit of extra Colby uh, for no additional charge. Um, and of course, you can find me at Colby Told Me on Instagram and Twitter, at Colby Mac on Facebook if you're still into that thing. You can catch all of my written reviews at ColbyTolme.com and listen to me and my crew, your favorite minorities, where I co-host the Minorities Report podcast, a colorful commentary on movies, trailers, reviews, news, box office. Yeah, at MReportPod on Twitter and Instagram. I love that. There was so many puns in that whole thing. (laughs) You got that to a science. That's incredible. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, and I will provide, as always, the links to all of that in the show notes. How about you, Hannah? Uh, anything you want to plug? My Twitter, at Movies and Cats, and then I'm also on a podcast called the Cinemania World Podcast, uh, and that's on Spotify. It's like anything that you can listen podcasts yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, the huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for coming on. I, I thought this was awesome, and you guys are both great presence on Twitter, so I always appreciate reading your tweets, interacting with them, everything like that. So hopefully you guys can come on again at some point uh, soon and 
It's been awesome. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie M-A-R-A pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. And you can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at MovieMarathoners.Podbean.com. And we are also on, as Hannah said, just everything, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through what is going to, you know, it's TBD. Not quite sure. I do want to try and get some sort of Emmy content out there because I really want to talk Emmys. I think these are going to be some a pretty exciting Emmy award show it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing yeah (laughs) hard to choose your faves yeah there's there are so many things that i want to win things and i just know that they can't all win it and that is frustrating (laughs) yeah but yeah so we'll see how that shakes out i believe in two weeks now right like september 20th something like that yeah sounds about right yeah all right well until then thanks bye Can you just say something, each of you? Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> what up? I think Colby has you beat, Hannah. Um, okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. Nextbestpicture.com